Thank you for uh, being here and giving yourself to God's Word this morning. Today is our last installment in a series we've been doing, uh, kind of a short series we've been doing called DNA. DNA, you'll see it there on the screen in just a second, DNA. We've been looking, taking a look at, uh, as, as DNA, we know enough about it to know that it kind of defines uh, us as the people that we are, and in a very much similar way in regards to life in the church, there is, I believe anyways, a particular DNA uh, to each local house of worship. They have their own unique personality and uh, strengths and weaknesses, things like that. And so we've been looking at what we believe some of uh, the things that go into our DNA here at Pioneer Christian Fellowship. So the very first week when we launched, uh, launched this, we talked about the value of worship, the characteristic of worship. You, we have just, in the last half hour, 45 minutes or so, we have just engaged in some heartfelt, meaningful worship to God. And for us, that's really, 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 really important. In fact, of, uh, I dare say, uh, that's why we are on. That's why we we exist here on earth, is to give God the proper worship that He is due. So, anyways, we talked about that the first week, and we we kind of uh, piggybacked off of that uh, about that idea of loving God and then loving people. Uh, the other uh, the other characteristics that's really super important to us is fellowship. In fact, it's right in our name, Pioneer Christian Fellowship. We, for us, that is a value, a character trait that, uh, uh, you know, we, we want to, uh, you know, raise high and aspire to meaningful fellowship here uh, in this house of worship. The third area we looked at, Pastor Josh talked to us about ministry, ministry. But having, uh, having in our minds that we're not just here as consumers, right? That's how a lot of people see life. You know, they go to a church like they go to a restaurant. What can you do for me, right? How do I like the service here? How do I like... Well, we see above and beyond that, we are not here simply to have our needs met. We are here uh, by God's design to minister to other people like we we arrive here with it in mind in our hearts that we're here uh to care for to minister to serve other people not just within our, the walls of our church but uh to the community at large uh, you know when god called jody and i here many years ago we we more than feel, feeling called to a church we felt called to an area that God wanted us here in this area, not just to serve the people of a local church, but to serve the area, to minister to the area. And so for all these years, we've prayed for, I don't want to say, I want to get out of hand here, but we've prayed for, uh, we've prayed for a lot of people outside of our church walls uh, and ministered to them uh, as well as people inside our church walls. And then last week, Scott to, uh, talked to us about discipleship, the journey that you and I are on uh, to 
to have God continue to work the things in and the things out of us, it never stops. It never, ever stops. We never arrive to a point where we no longer need his, his work of discipling in our life. And, and we, as a church, we're constantly providing opportunities for people through classes, through small groups, through a variety of ways, uh, uh, ways that people can find themselves in a discipleship atmosphere and, be, and, and, and placing our hearts before God to do what he would like to do. So anyways, those are some of the things. Today, as I said, is our final installment and I'd like to talk to you about the final trait of the heart of our church. I, as I said, I think worship should always be right there at number one. And then the rest of these kind of go in whatever order you want them to. But uh, this, this one is, it, 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 for us, it, it just it motivates us. It, it causes us to... Uh, do what we do, all right? So some of the final words that Jesus said, he said these words. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to, to all creation. Those were some of the final words. The very final words he said are in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Literally, the last words he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In these couple of verses, we hear the heart of God as it concerns reaching those who would yet come to know Him. Did you hear what I said? Reaching out. Reaching out, it's that idea, you know, some people get, can get caught up in us for and no more. This is the mindset that says there, are, there is a harvest out there that needs reaped. There are people out there yet who need to yet come in to the family of God. Some people call this evangelism. Some people call it outreach. I don't, you know, I don't know whether it matters what you call it. I believe it's the heart of God. And it's, it's, it's important that we understand that, uh, you know, Jesus gave this as, and they've labeled it as the Great Commission, right? This is my commissioning to you. Well, as a local church, we want to make sure that the Great Commission doesn't become the Great Omission. Like, like we, you know, we're just happy here with the few of us and, and uh, we're not concerned about the folks still out there who, who yet need to know Him. We want it in our hearts uh, to, uh, to make sure that that's one of the driving forces of who we are. Now, when you look at that last verse I just read to you in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will see, if you understand what's being said there, there is a broadening scope. So Jesus said, in Jerusalem, which is a, was, a, was a, a narrow circle of, of uh, inhabitants, right? Then he said, in all Judea, which is the region outside of Jerusalem. Then he said, Samaria, which is the region beyond that. And then he, he left no stone unturned. He said, and to all creation or all the world, be my witnesses to all the world. This is why we look to not only reach our local area and the surrounding areas, but we also have a heart 
to be a sending and supporting uh, place of ministries, missionaries, other people who are going out around the world. And I've heard folks around here say, well, why, why is it that with so much need in our own backyard, why are we trying to reach the world? The reason is because Jesus told us to reach the world. It's as simple as that. He said, go into all the world, right? So we want to do what we can do uh, to bless, minister, support, encourage people in, in the, in the tri-county area. We look to do, we partner with different ministries to see what can be done in our state and in our country. But uh, we have it in our hearts to not just be satisfied with that, but to see the whole world come to Christ. That's our, that's our heart. It's what makes us tick. And uh, I hope it'll, we'll always, it will always be that way. All right. Now, having said all that, uh, I, I, I want to talk to you about God, what I believe is God's plan for evangelism or outreach. So take all those things that I just said and kind of set them to the side for just a second because I'll come back to them uh, at the very end, the, 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 the thoughts and ideas about outreach or evangelism. I want to I begin my thoughts with you today by reminding you about something that took place in the very beginning. In the very beginning, the first recorded words we have of God speaking, He said simply, let there be light. Can you just say that with me on three? One, two, three. Let there be light. He said, let there be light. And the next few uh, words say, and there was light, right? Let there be light, and there was light. Many have speculated over the millennia what, what that light was. Now, we know that the sun, moon, and stars weren't created until the fourth day. So when he said, let there be light, what was that? What was that light that came on in that moment and separated, as it says, the light from the darkness? What was that light? Some have, uh, have suggested that it was a temporary light system that God set in place. I'm, I'm just tell, I'm telling you these things. These are, what, these are what people in Christendom have speculated as to what it was. So some have suggested that there was God set in place a temporary light source. Maybe, maybe like when you're building a house, you know, before you put in the finished lights, you put up some of those dangly lights so you can get some stuff done. Okay, so that's one thing that's been put out there. I, I don't know how much biblical support that has. But uh, another suggestion that folks have made is that that's when he created the angels. And it was the angels who brought that light to bear that was spoken of in the very beginning. But for, for me, I think what it was, this is just my speculation, but I think I have uh, scriptural grounds for it, right? I think God caused his Shekinah glory to shine forth. That's my, and the reason I say that is because in Revelation, in Revelation, in fact, I think I have it for you. I don't know if it's on the screen or not, but I have it here for you in my notes. In Revelation 21, 23, it says this, 
that the new heaven, the new Jerusalem, the place will, for those who know Christ, will spend eternity. This is what it says about there. It says the city that does not need a sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. So, I don't know. I, I don't, again, people speculate about a, a variety of things, and I don't know that it affects our salvation, what you believe about that, one way or the other. Uh, but here is, what I, here is what I want you to see, to start with. God turned the light on and then went to work. God turned the light on and then went to work. Now, <clears throat> the older I get, the more light I need. I know there's some of you in here suffering from the same thing, right? But I got to say, I don't think that was God's problem. <laughs> like his eyes were uh, going a little bad there, so he needed to turn the light on so he could finish what he, uh, all the other things he was going to create. I believe, I believe that God was setting in order a, a precedent, a principle, if you will, that he first turns the light on and then goes to work. Yeah. You got it? Now, <clears throat> there is so much that I could say to you this morning. We don't have time to really go there, but there's so much that I could talk to you about in terms of how God used light in the Old Testament to bring about His purposes and plans for the people, Israel, that He was leading. But again, we don't have time. What I want to do is I want to fast forward. I want to fast forward to the arrival of the Son of God to the arrival of Jesus on earth. Now, in John's Gospel, John, when he's writing his account of Jesus, he doesn't give us any detail about Mary and Joseph. He doesn't give us any, there's no discussion about Zechariah and Elizabeth, no talk of angels coming to and make an announcement to shepherds. John simply says, here's what he says, the light shined in the darkness. That's how he describes Jesus' arrival on earth. A light shined in the darkness. Now, I want to go back to, the, to, the, 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 to when God was originally said, let there be light. God said, let there be light. He turned the light on. Then he went to work making everything that we now call nature, what we call the natural, right? So, this, so here's how I see it. When we, when we fast forward to the arrival of Christ, this is how I see it. God turned the light on and then went to work fashioning, creating, if you will, our salvation. Uh-oh, I lost you. I lost you. John says, the light shined in the darkness. A few verses later, John writes in verse 9, he says, the true light 
that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Again, we're talking about the birth of Jesus. Jesus then went on to say about himself in John 3.19, I have come as light into the world. And later he declared emphatically, emphatically, I am the light of the world. Now we've already got God's uh, natural light in play, right? That's already there. Uh, but now God is doing, and, and please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, he's going, he's going to go to work creating our salvation, creating a means by which you and I can experience not just the natural light of God, but the supernatural light of God. Does that help you? Is that better? So he's so in the same way, in the beginning, he turned the light on and went to work. When he sent Jesus, he was turning the light on and Jesus went to work fashioning our salvation. So, so once again, when God turns the light on, he then goes to work. This is what I see. This is the principle that I see at work. Now, you may be asking yourself right now, what in the world does this have to do with outreach or evangelism? Everything. It has everything to do with it. And here's why. It is significant because Jesus said something that is, uh, it's a little, it's a, it's a, a wake-upper moment. It's a, it's a, did you just hear that kind of moment? At the very beginning of Christ's ministry uh, to those of us who lived here on earth, he had a gathering with the 12 that he had chosen to come and, and go on a discipleship journey with him. And at the very beginning of that journey, and that's important to note, at the beginning, not at the end, this is in Matthew chapter 5, not in Matthew chapter 26, 27, oh, you know, over, I don't even think there is 27, uh, maybe there is. Uh, anyways, not at the end of the letter, the gospel, but at the beginning in chapter 5, this is, uh, this is what, what Jesus says. He takes them, it tells us, on this occasion, he goes up on a mountainside, calls his disciples to him. He talks to them about a few things that I'll get back to in just a second. And then he turns to them and says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Now, <clears throat> I can just hear, uh, the, I can hear their wheels turning at that moment because in that moment, they're thinking, wait a minute, you are the light of the world. Now you're saying, we are the light of the world? What you talking about, Jesus? <laughs> right? I mean, if you're old enough to remember that show, right? What you talking about, Jesus? We're the light of the world? But it doesn't stop there. Listen to what he says. Here's what he says. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Yep. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it out on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus is saying to his disciples, and I believe to us, his subsequent disciples, he's saying to us that our relationship with him is not going to be private. That's what he's saying. You know, we hear, a lot of, we hear a lot of talk today about, yeah, it's fine for you to have a relationship with Jesus and God or whoever you want to have one with, but you just keep that to yourself, right? Jesus is telling us right here, he's telling those disciples and saying to us, I want you to know this thing we're talking about, this you being the light thing, that's not going to be a private little thing in your pocket someplace. You know, a little flashlight there down deep in your pocket that only helps you. This light, this is, you, listen, if you build a city up on the top of a hill, you build it up there so that everybody can see where you're at, right? You don't build it down in some nook, cranny, corner of a valley someplace. You put it right out on the top of the hill. You don't, like he said, you don't take a lamp, light it, and then uh, put something over top of it. You light the lamp so it's meant to go public. You got it? It's meant to be very, very, very public. Now, it's important to note before I go any further that you and I and those disciples of that day had no light in and of themselves. None. Zero. He, he wasn't saying, you know, like, you guys are really close to who I am. No, that's not what, that's not what he was saying. <clears throat> the only way that we can become the light that Jesus spoke of is if his light is shining in our lives. We are, we are like the moon. The moon has no light in and of itself. Zero. Zip. Nada. The moon only reflects the light coming from the sun. Do you understand that? So a week ago today, I don't know how many of you know this, but a week ago today was the last full moon. And we actually had, there was one or two nights there where the, the skies were kind of clear. And, and you could go outside. I mean, you didn't, need, you didn't need to turn anything on. You could go outside and walk around. It was called the snow moon. Right? Snow moon. It's gone. And we're hoping that the snow goes with it. Right? So... Yeah. The next moon will be something else, spring moon or something, right? Okay. So, you and I have no light in and of ourselves. <clears throat> we only have opportunity to shine, as Jesus spoke of, when you and I properly align our hearts to Jesus in relationship 
and to that which He tells us to do. I feel like I'm losing you. Okay. Okay, now listen. Please track with me. In these original 12 who met with Him on this occasion, they had already made the decision to follow Him. They had already made that call to leave their lives as they knew them and to go after Jesus. So that I'm calling that the relationship part, right? They had already made the decision to go after him in terms of relationship, for him to become their teacher, their rabbi. They, they become students of his, right? You all understand that, right? They made that choice. But, but... This is really important. Before he ever said to them, you are the light of the world, he had spoken to them of what we've come to know as the Beatitudes. He sat them down and and essentially said to them, I want to explain to you and, and relate to you what the kingdom of God, what my kingdom, the kingdom of God, how it functions, how it works. And if you were to take time and you would go back to read those Beatitudes, you would find out that it, they are completely counterculture to the way the world works. Completely. In other words, whatever the world does, Jesus is saying, we're doing the other thing. If, you, if the world handles things this way, we're handling them this way. After having said all of that, then he says, you are the light of the world. You see it? So, so if you... Come into relationship with me. And then you start living the way I've described to you. You will will show up. You will shine. Whether you want to or not. In a world. When you you, when you when we're shining for Christ. I want, uh, please hear this. We are, we are doing that in an antichrist world. I'll leave it at that. Okay, I got to keep moving here. Where am I at? I have no Okay, Okay, so. <clears throat> Jesus makes clear his intention for those disciples and subsequently us. He says, my my goal for you is to shine. Shine. Let your light shine. Not in a way of showing off or drawing attention to yourself, but pointing people towards their Father in heaven. This is, this is, God's outreach plan. This is His evangelism plan. There is no plan B 
only this plan A, let your light shine. That you and I would shine the likeness of Christ in this antichrist world. Now, I want to give you four things, four ways that I think we practically go about doing that. All right? It's not enough, I got to say, it's not enough for you, as I've said, this is meant to be a public thing. It's not enough for you to just have some kind of little private relationship with Jesus that nobody else knows about, right? This is meant to be public. This is meant to be uh, uh, out there, right? So here are four, uh, four meaningful ways that you could allow your light to shine, all right? Number one, I wrote it this way, through the rays of an open house approach. Through the rays of an open house approach. The reason I'm saying it this way is I love how the message translation renders the verses about letting our light shine. This is what the message says. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you will prompt them to open up to God. Everybody in here probably knows what an open house is. In the real estate world, an open house is when, uh, is when you invite people to come over and check out your house in hopes that they might want to buy it. Gail, have I got that right? That's an open house, real estate open house. But other people hold what is called open house parties, right? So come on over to our house. We're having an open house. Just come on in, come and go whenever you want. And Jody and I have done that at our home over the time. And, and uh, you know, we're not, we don't have any agendas. It's just, you know, just, uh, just a relaxful evening with some, some people and some friends, right? God is saying, if you want to shine well, then you're going to have to have an open house, a policy. Right, like I know there's, I know we all need our privacy. I got that, right? Like, like I'm not inviting them to come and use the bathroom with me. I'm inviting people <laughs> to come and, you know, hang out for a little bit, right? So I, I, I think, I think, in order for us to be able to shine well, we can't, we can't be uh, hermits. We can't be spiritual hermits where you know we just kind of go to our our compound and then you know nobody's allowed to come right we open up our lives we say listen uh, i want you to see uh, we're not saying this literally maybe but we're we're saying to people we we want to we want to you to see what god has done here by being in relationship with you right you have to have uh, a willingness to open up your life. Now, I get accused many times of being too open about my life. Like, like you know, uh, uh, sometimes even my wife will say, I don't know that you should have said that. 
this morning or other people say I, I, I've counseled people and, and talked to them about things that have happened in my life and, and given them some of the even the uh, dirty little secrets, you know, that we all have. And, and I can just see it. You know, people are like, I can't believe he's saying this right now. Right. Right. <laughs> I, what is he telling me this for? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I have an open house approach. If I, if I want you to see how great God has been in my life, then I got to give you some of the junk. If I need to, that, that's how the light shines, right? And I know sometimes I think this is a generational problem that we're dealing with. It seems like uh, uh, sometimes the older generation holds things a lot closer to the best, you know, but, and I don't know, maybe young people, you guys have got it all hanging out there, and I don't know that that's the best approach either. But anyways, we have to be transparent enough, right, to let people see what God has done. Not in a, not in a boastful way, not in a draw attention to us way, but in a way of letting them know that, uh, you know, you may see... Uh, 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 a closer to the finished work right now, but I can promise you it hasn't always been that way. Right? Number two, through the rays of authenticity. It should be for you there if you want to write it down. Through the rays of authenticity. You know that Jesus had no pretense to him at all. Pretense is when you are trying to Project that you're one thing that you're really not. Right? I think the best way you and I let our light shine is just simply being real with people. That's where Jesus can, you know, and I'm not trying to make you think I'm somebody I'm not. I'm letting you know this is Jesus at work here and not me. Right? No facades. Facades, facades are, are, are the bushel over the light. That's a facade. And sometimes people try to project a spiritual facade. Like they're like super spiritual, right? Listen, can I just tell you, that doesn't help the light, that diminishes the light. Just be the real you. Remember, all we're called to do, listen, all we're called to do is shine. Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, don't worry about the drawing people. I'll take care of that. All I need you to do is shine. To shine. To show forth what I've done in your life. That's all I need you to do. The convicting, the convincing, I'll take care of that. That's why I have the Holy Spirit at work doing stuff. He'll, I'll do that part. You just shine. That's all you got to focus on. Just shine. Just shine. Shine, Jesus, shine. That's all you got to do. Just shine. Number three, through the rays of your words. Uh-oh is right.
Throughout the Bible, Proverbs into the New Testament, there is this constant uh, interjection that, has, that gets made. And I would like to summarize that by saying it goes like this. Have, have uh, great care and consideration with the words that you use. I want to read to you this passage out of Philippians 2 because it goes to my point. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Let me read that again. <laughs> Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Then listen to what it says. In which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the words of life. Amen. Do everything without grumbling and complaining. That's a tall task. Do marriage without grumbling and complaining. Do politics without grumbling and complaining. Do, that's a tall order. That's a tall order. But, but, while everyone out there is grumbling and complaining, we get to be countercultural and do life without grumbling and complaining and you will shine like a star in the universe because it's like, what are you on, right? <laughs> what are you? You are on something. I, something's wrong with you. Yeah, it's true. Do everything without grump. Through, you shine, you shine by the words that you use. When you give someone a greeting, for example, here, wherever you are, what do you say to them? What do you say? Why don't you say, when you get beyond the hello, why don't you say, you look awesome today? <laughs> Maybe not, I don't know. Why, why don't you offer some life-giving words? Why don't you measure your words and carefully consider what you might say that would be life-giving to that person you just came into their presence? Something. Yeah, dude, how you doing? All right, whatever. Why don't you seize that, seize that opportunity and impart some life right on the front end? So 
something. I don't care whether you say that or what you... Well, I do care what you say, but say something life-giving. And I'm telling you, when you do, you'll shine like a star in the universe. People go like, what was that? You know why? Because that's not how it operates out there. The way it operates out there is, you, do, you look like you just got drugged through a knothole backwards. Find way, find, measure your words. Be careful what you're putting out there. And, and, and find ways to speak life. Number four, through the rays of good deeds. Jesus said it. That they may see your good deeds and give praise to your Father in heaven. Good deeds. It's not that we're earning our salvation through the good deeds. Our salvation has already been bought and paid for. There's nothing you could do to warrant your salvation. The point of good deeds is so that they may see the Father in heaven. People who don't know the Father in heaven may have an opportunity to get a hint of or a witness of what the Father in heaven is like. While people are, are busy worried about, you know, people extracting from them, oh, I'm not letting anybody take this or take that or so on. We should be more focused on what can I do that will example the sacrificial life of Jesus Christ. What can I give away? What can, how can I serve somebody? How can I, you know, when was the last time you served somebody? I'm not saying you haven't. I'm just saying we, we need to think about that. That's a good thing to consider periodically. What am I doing? To serve others. Francis of Assisi said, Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. God has a pattern, and I, 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 here, here it is, this is the closing. God has a pattern that goes like this. He turns the light on and then goes to work. He did it in the beginning. He did it with his son. And I believe he'd like to do it through us. You see, when you and I allow God to shine through us, God goes to work. God goes to work. He goes to work. Remember we said back last summer, I think it was, uh, was when I was off. You guys did a series called I don't know what it was called, but it's that God has a job to do and we have a job to do. God has a job to do, we have a job to do. Our job is simply to shine. Shine, Jesus, shine. 
And then God, when, when the light gets turned on, God goes to work. That's how He's always done it. He turns the light on and then goes to work. I believe God would be at, at, at work in a greater way in our influence circles if we're just shine, Jesus, shine. And then let Him do the rest. Let Him do the rest. Let Him draw them. Let Him save them. Let Him do His work in their heart and life. I believe we have a bit of a problem today living in the times that we do. And that's called electricity. You see... We can only comprehend the notion of a light getting turned on by the, by the uh, operation of a switch. You switch it on, you switch it off, right? And sadly, I think that's kind of how Christianity kind of operates sometimes. They turn it on when they want to. Turn it off when they don't. Right? But that's not how it worked in the days Jesus talked about it. You had to have oil in the lamp to keep it burning. Wasn't a flick of a switch. And we all know there's stories there in the scriptures about making sure we got enough oil to keep shining, to keep the light on, right? You can't just say, well, I'm going to flick it on now and flick it off here. It's no, it's a matter of us saturating our lives with the personhood of God and allowing that to be the fuel. We orient our heart in just the right direction towards Him so that the reflection of His rays capture our hearts and then in turn flow out of us. Holy Spirit, illuminate our lives. This is God's outreach plan. There is, there's, cause there's things that could be said about how we, how we, uh, you know, might convey the the good news, the steps of good news, all that. That's I'm not saying that's awesome. That's all good. But the first step is to shine, <laughs> shine bright. And the Holy Spirit, with our us doing our part, the Holy Spirit is way big enough to do His. His part. Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord, I thank you for the DNA of our, our church and the fact that we are not just here, you know, uh, putting on programs and, and, and doing things that, uh, uh, you know, for the sake of doing them. We have, uh, we have a divine order from you. And we want our heart to be your heart. And we want that heart to not just stay within the four walls of this room. We want your heart 
as we've been talking about today, to get uh, brightly shined to the world around us. So I pray, Lord, you got a bunch of you got a bunch of great lights here today. There are people that are in all different places of life. They're 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 networking with people that I'll never get a chance to network with. And I pray that you would make them glorious beacons of your marvelous light and life to the world that you've enabled them to have influence in, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would so fuel their hearts and they would be so prone and and inclined, Lord, uh, to do life by way of the kingdom and not by the ways of this world. And as they go forth from this place from week to week, that you will be using them in profound ways, profound ways, to see other people come to know you as we have. I ask, Lord, that, uh, that you would just bless them beyond their wildest dreams this week. I pray that you will uh, uh, just fill them with your light and love, Lord, and, 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 and cause them to thrive. Wherever they, wherever they go, whatever they do, may they thrive. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.